Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 82. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to our sponsors. First we have Precision Hydration and Precision Hydration create electrolyte products that you can uh, choose in different concentrations to match how you sweat and the sodium concentration that you have in your sweat. Uh, during this period of uh, being confined to indoor cycling, I've been doing a lot of long rides on the trainer, generally uh, cycling around 12, 13 hours per week, 12, 13, 13 and a half hours per week. And many of those rides will be three hours, three to four hours long. And uh, for me, I found that, find that definitely when I do rides that are that long, I really uh, benefit from taking the electrolyte products from Precision Hydration uh, to both feel better in the workouts but also to just feel better after the workout if i for some reason don't take the electrolyte products i just feel a bit more tired and lethargic later on and uh, if i go running later in the day i have a greater tendency to get onset of cramps although fortunately i haven't cramped so far but uh, that's just uh, some of the couple of reasons anecdotally that i find precision hydration really good you can check out their free sweat test on precisionhydration.com and get an estimate for how much you sweat and how much sodium you lose and get 15% off your electrolyte products with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW15. And thank you to Roka. Roka is the world-leading manufacturer of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles and high-performance eyewear. For many of you, the open water swimming season is starting to arrive, potentially. Uh, so uh, with a good wetsuit, you might be able to get in some swim training. And Roka definitely offer a large variety of really, really good wetsuits, including the new, very affordable, but super high-end and great, fantastic buoyancy wetsuit, uh, the uh, Maverick MX. So that's one that I would check out for sure. And uh, all whatever products you want to get from Roka, you can get 20% off with the promo code that you will get on roka.com forward slash TTS. So let's get into today's questions, starting with one from Jedge in Baltimore. And actually Jedge wrote me a while back and his question was uh, around uh, specific race planning and his race calendar. And all of that is unfortunately now uh, just completely relevant with the COVID-19 and no races going on. But there was one particular aspect of the question that is still relevant and is going to be relevant uh, whenever there is training. And that aspect I do want to tackle. And this question is, I'd like to know what the minimum number of minutes is that makes an easy trainer ride or endurance workout worthwhile from an endurance physiology perspective. So this question is one of those it depends questions. Uh, for example, if somebody comes into endurance sports or sports in general as an untrained individual off the couch, then uh, 15 minutes is going to be worthwhile or even 10. And for some very untrained individuals, whatever they can manage, which might be 10 minutes of walking, is going to be very worthwhile. Uh, but if we're taking it a little bit further away from these, these off-the-couch, uh, really sedentary individuals, if we're talking about people that are doing some form of training, uh, which is the listeners of this podcast, obviously, and uh, including everybody, even those classifying themselves as beginners, then 10 to 15 minutes is definitely not worth less, but it is definitely worth 
less than it is for the completely untrained person, if that makes sense. Uh, sorry for the play of words there. But uh, I would say that 10 to 15 minutes in in this situation for this demographic listeners of this podcast, it, it is great if it's something that you do anyway. So for example, your commute, because that's just like additional three minutes of training. But to do it as a dedicated training ses- session, I mean, I would say that it's not going to be the most worthwhile 15 minutes that you could do and uh, yeah it just might not be worth the hassle because 15 minutes is quite a short time to be doing biking and that's exactly the perspective that your question is coming from of course so if you have 15 minutes to do something then you will get a much better bang for buck by doing some home-based strength training some core training or plyometrics or even swim bands in these times especially or perhaps some mobility or flexibility Uh, so what is then the minimum number of minutes for which it would be beneficial to actually do a dedicated ride, so not a commute? I should point out here that I don't think, or I'm not aware at least, of any scientific evidence about this. So it's going to be more anecdotal, or only anecdotal and gut feeling based here, just be aware of that. Uh, And second, I also want to point out that even though the question here is about cycling, the same general principles with some slight nuances apply also for running and swimming. In running, you need to consider what your resilience to running is, of course, and like how quickly you can ramp up running if you're new to it and so on. But if you're an experienced athlete, pretty much the same principles apply here. Uh, A bit scaled down for running, though. But I will answer the question here in the specific context of cycling to make it simple. And what I would say is that for more of a beginner athlete training four to five hours per week, adding 20 minutes, a workout of 20 minutes is actually quite a significant addition of volume to the weekly training. It's seven to eight percent. And that is definitely significant. And I've also talked before about how especially beginners should focus mostly on frequency of training rather than duration of any given session. So from that perspective as well, adding a 20-minute session perhaps as a second session of the day after work when you have done your main session for the day in the morning, like a run or a swim, that's just going to be beneficial. You're going to get that frequency up a bit. It might take you from doing two bike rides per week to doing three. So 50% increase in number of sessions. Now, I'm definitely not saying that if you're a beginner and you have an extra 20 minutes, that it's always going to be better to do endurance training compared to doing something else. And in many cases, I do believe that the most beneficial use of that time would be to do a little bit of strength training, actually, especially if you're not doing any of it at the moment. But what I'm saying is that it is worthwhile to get changed and get on the trainer uh, or go out for a jog for 20 minutes. That's, that is worthwhile. 30 or 40 minutes, is that going to be better? Generally, yes, because there is a strong correlation between endurance performance and training volume. But uh, that doesn't mean that 20 minutes is not worthwhile. It is going to add up. For intermediate to advanced athletes, uh, I would say that 20 minutes, while not worthless, it is definitely on the short side. Uh, it's great for perhaps adding an extra 20 minutes of easy riding to a ride that is already in your schedule. So make your one-hour ride one hour 20 instead of one hour. And But for a standalone ride, which is the this question, I would generally give 30 minutes at the minimum as the shortest ride for intermediate to advanced athletes. 
Uh, again, I'm not saying that a 20-minute ride isn't worth anything, but uh, if it's done as a pure active recovery ride, actually, just to spin out your legs, perhaps because you know that you will perform better in a run workout that you will have later that day or the next day, if you do that sort of short spin at the morning before an afternoon run or the evening before a morning run, then it can be highly worthwhile, even though it's not for the perspective of improving your your cycling fitness. But uh, to carry a benefit in itself to improve your cycling fitness in this case, my sort of uh, rule of thumb is that I would make it at least 30 minutes for uh, intermediate to advanced athletes. Uh, But uh, I would say here as well that even though 30 minutes might be worthwhile, in many cases, you would still be better off doing uh, that 30 minutes by adding it on top of a workout of a longer workout that is already in your schedule uh, so tacking it on to the end of a, of another workout like for example uh, a hard interval workout because 30 minutes at the end of of a hard interval workout is definitely different than 30 minutes of very easy spinning when when being completely fresh but to come back to the original question 30 minutes is worthwhile for intermediate and advanced athletes in my opinion for very advanced athletes training at a high volume, uh, I would alter my suggestions and my recommendations even further. While I do think that 30 minutes of running or 30 minutes of swimming would be worthwhile for this demographic, cycling becomes a bit of a question mark to me. And for these athletes, let's say you're training at least 15 to 20 hours per week, and you also have good frequency of workouts, then I would probably move the benchmark for cycling a bit further to, let's say, 45 minutes. And uh, 30 minutes of added riding, again, would be better to add on to an already existing workout in this case. The key thing to keep in mind for everybody is that no one workout does very much at all by itself, but it's the consistent training that you do day in, day out that uh, does things for you. And that's what makes a difference. So in that vein, adding 20 or 30 minutes of working out once uh, or twice or a handful of times over the course of a year uh, it's fine it's not harmful harmful of course but it won't have a noticeable difference either but on the other hand if you deliberately add two times 30 minutes of riding per week every single week of the year that's uh, more than 50 additional annual training hours and that's definitely not to be sniffed at that will make a difference and especially once you go beyond looking at it from the perspective of one year but you look at it from a perspective of two or three or five years so judge thank you for your question and i hope this answers uh, at least this small part of your question the next question is from Rickard in Sweden, who writes, uh, and this is going to be translated on the fly, so apologies for uh, fumbling a bit on words. Hi, Michael. In some Swedish uh, running podcasts, there's a lot of talk right now about double threshold workouts. It seems to be very popular among mid-distance runner runners, and it means simply doing two threshold runs on one single day. I think that the workouts are done in quote-unquote Norwegian threshold uh, pace, like uh, Adel Tveiten proposed in your interview with him, so uh, a bit slower than what uh, would be considered conventional threshold speed. Could this be something beneficial for triathletes? Uh, Could you get a better response to training this way than with more uh, distributed uh, workouts across the week? If you could, is it better to keep it discipline-specific? So, for example, uh, have a day of a double threshold run day every now and then? Or should you mix and match between different disciplines? 
So thank you, Ricard. This is uh, a very interesting topic uh, as we discussed on, on email. And again, this is going to be to quite some extent my personal opinion and anecdotal and hunches uh, because there's nothing, no research that has looked into this very specific question. However, there is quite a bit of research on two-a-day training or twice-daily training in general for endurance athletes. So let's have a quick look at that because that will explain the background, the lay of the land and uh, where I'm coming from with my later answer and recommendations. So first, a couple of studies that uh, have done general comparisons between volume matched once per day training versus twice daily training. So Mortensen and colleagues did a study in 2007 where one leg of each participant trained uh, once per day, uh, once once daily every day, and the other leg of each participant trained twice daily every other day. So volume matched, and they did this for 10 weeks in seven male subjects. And there were no significant difference in markers of improved endurance capacity like PGC1 alpha, for example. Another study was done by Yeo in 2008, and they had 14 cyclists and triathletes with a VO2 max of around 60 that did a three-week intervention where one group trained every day and they alternated workouts uh, doing 100 minutes of aerobic endurance one day and then a hit session the next day. The second group trained um, did those same workouts, but they did them uh, on the same day with just one to two hours of recovery. So first the aerobic endurance workout, 100 minutes, and then the hit session one or two hours later. Before and after this three-week intervention, they did a test which consisted of first uh, riding 60 minutes at steady state and then a 60-minute time trial. And performance in the time trial improved by a similar amount in both groups, the once-daily and twice-daily groups. Uh, It was uh, an improvement of 10%. Uh, But some important markers of endurance adaptation and uh, musculoskeletal uh, adaptations improved. So for example, muscle glycogen concentration, fat oxidation during the 60-minute steady-state part of the test, and markers of mitochondrial content and activity improved more in the twice-per-day group compared to the uh, everyday, single-day training group. So in conclusion from that study, no difference in performances, but some interesting results in advantage of the twice-per-day training uh, in terms of some of the musculoskeletal adaptations there. There are a couple of studies that have investigated whether uh, the proposed improved musculoskeletal adaptations from training twice per day, whether they come from the proximity of the sessions, so just simply the fact that you're doing sessions fairly close to each other, or if it's actually because of the second session being done uh, intentionally or unintentionally with low glycogen availability. So two studies here, uh, Giarone in 2019 took 15 male subjects through a three-week intervention where they did uh, 100 minutes of endurance training followed by a hit session either two hours later or 14 hours later. And those that did it 14 hours later, so that group actually had those sessions be, that was basically the next day, or it was the next day. So they did compare twice daily versus once daily training there. But the thing that they did was that they 
made sure that the second session was always done with low muscle glycogen. And the results of the study showed no significant difference between the two groups for most of the musculoskeletal markers of endurance performance that they measured. There were some trends, mitochondrial efficiency, so uh, uh, that was improved in the twice-per-day group, and the perceived effort in a specific exercise test also decreased in that twice-daily group. So not super convincing evidence, but a trend that the twice-per-day group uh, got a little bit of a better effect of the training than the once-daily group. So, So that could mean that actually... Uh, the proximity of the sessions does play an impact. It's not just the fact that doing the second session in a glycogen-depleted state is what makes it beneficial. And uh, then we had Andrade Sousa and colleagues in also in 2019, and they found the same trend, a bit stronger evidence, I would say. They did a very similar or almost exactly the same protocol. Uh, I should note that the subjects here in the study were very untrained so vo2 max of 37 uh, for young males i think and uh, but the markers related to mitochondrial biogenesis and fat oxidation improved more in the twice per day training group than in the once per day training group uh, despite the fact that again just like in the previous study by giarone they controlled so that in both groups the second session the hit session was always done in a low glycogen state now finally an important study on this topic especially as it pertains to running is from hammond in 2019 uh, they had nine male subjects do a hit session in the morning and in the afternoon and they did it under three different dietary conditions so one was doing it with high carbohydrate availability and one was in low carbohydrate but uh, high fat and high energy availability and the third was in a low energy availability. And what they found was that the physiological musculoskeletal markers of adaptation were the same in all three groups, but markers of breakdown of bone tissue were uh, significantly higher in the uh, low in the low carb uh, high fat group and in the low energy availability uh, group compared to the high carbohydrate high energy availability group. So that's the lay of the land. That's the background that uh, I'll also use uh, to some extent to base my answers on. But again, uh, a lot of it is also just hunches, guesses, and anecdotal evidence. So my take on doing double thresholds is that I do see the point absolutely, especially for high-level athletes, which it sounds like those are the athletes that have actually been interviewed on podcasts and are doing these things, or perhaps the coaches of these athletes. Uh, the thing is that elite athletes that are already very close to their genetic potential, they do require a much stronger stimulus to incur uh, performance adaptations. And doing two hard workouts on one day is one way of doing it. I don't think there's any particular magic in doing it as a threshold workout. Perhaps it could be a high-intensity interval training workout or two tempo runs or whatever it may be. But it's just a more concentrated a dosage of uh, of hard work simply and the reason that i think that this might be uh, a good way for these athletes to to improve to incur adaptations is that they're probably managing to do a larger total volume of threshold work 
in one day than they would have been if they did it as a single session or they absolutely certainly are there's no doubt about that so just the workload within the density the work density so how much hard work do you do in a single day in a short window of time that just goes up so much more compared to doing it in a single session and second there is a chance that due to the volume and intensity of training that these athletes are doing the second session might be done in a state of lower glycogen availability and it certainly can as we've seen in some studies be an added stimulus despite the uh, the study that i just cited that it can also not necessarily be the case in in at all times and also it can be a bigger stress a potential risk for in this case bone health but uh, let's keep in mind that that was just one study and there have been studies that have shown that low glycogen training can improve markers of performance so it simply is a trade-off there is definitely a bigger risk to doing this compared to spreading out those threshold workouts on separate days Uh, but also it might be a necessary risk for these athletes that are close to their genetic potential I think most amateur athletes are not at a point where doing double hard workouts from the perspective of inducing a strong enough stimulus is necessary. Uh, we still are so far from our potential. That's the reason that I think that's the case. That's just my opinion. But that being said, it is of course very normal for triathletes to be doing, for example, a hard swim in the morning and then a hard run or a bike in the afternoon. That in most cases is just comes down to the fact that we need to do things like that to fit all the work into our training plan that we want to be doing because triathlon is a unique sport in that way with having three different disciplines that we're training for so that's a perfect perfectly acceptable reason in my mind for doing this for doing two hard hardish or moderate and a hard workout or two moderate workouts on the same day and i actually do have a slight preference for stacking some days with two moderate or a moderate and a hard workout or even two hard workouts and leaving some days significantly easier so sort of having a bit more of a spread in the training stress in how it's distributed across days with some days being significantly lower and some days being significantly higher that means that for us triathletes uh, of course the default mode ends up being that when we do too hard or moderate and a hard workout per day it ends up being different disciplines and i think that for 98 of us it's absolutely fine for certain high level athletes that maybe want to really move the needle in one specific discipline let's say they're focusing on their bike at the moment i can see it being a very interesting experiment to do to actually do two hard or hardish bike rides of that discipline on the same day just like this double threshold example that you're mentioning i do think that that last study that i cited with uh, the bone health potential bone health issues is very interesting when we're talking about running so if we're doing something like double threshold days and we're we're doing this as a runner then i think we should ensure both energy and carbohydrate availability experimenting with hard workouts in a low glycogen state is something that again can be that potential uh, extra stimulus that elite athletes can find beneficial because they're already close to their genetic potential and they might need some new stimulus to really get more adaptations so that can be a useful thing to experiment with but perhaps it might be best to do that uh, low glycogen 
high intensity work on the bike rather than the run for this reason and uh, in the case of uh, again these runners doing double thresholds then i would definitely say that taking care of carbohydrate intake is critical but also another aspect for runners that want to do this is just making sure in general that they have the strength and resilience to be able to do two hard workouts on a day without getting injured and this in my opinion is one sticking point for why i would not recommend this for most amateur runners because it is such a high impact and the even though the just as i said that the the density of work is very high the density of stress and impact forces is equally high so high risk high reward and i would not recommend amateur triathletes do it specifically with running for uh, for that reason also if we're doing double thresholds or double hard workouts in general uh, what we have to consider is that it doesn't mean that we can just do more intensity because we're doubling up on one day Training stress should be considered both from the acute but also from the chronic perspective and stacking more of your hard work on one day doesn't change that chronic training stress at all that the work causes. So it's not a free pass to jump in headfirst and do an additional session of intensity per week just like that without any consideration. And we also have to consider recovery uh, because having a stimulus is one thing but actually adapting to the stimulus is another thing and recovery is a key factor in that and this is another potential sticking point for why i'm hesitant to recommend this for amateurs because most of us don't have the the schedules or the recoverability of elite athletes so this kind of stressor might just be too strong it might be more than the minimal effective dose more than progressive overload it might be just a an excessively progressive overload considering what our realistic ability to recover is and finally and actually i can't believe that i haven't uh, mentioned it yet but obviously we also need to think about the performance in each each of those hard workouts and this is of course critically important for what the benefits will get out from the workouts are So for elite athletes that are really physiological monsters, they can do this kind of training and perform well in both of those workouts. The risk for many amateurs in doing a training protocol like this would be underperforming in the second workout. And if you don't really perform as you should in that workout, then you're not getting the same benefits either. No matter what the intentions were, no matter how hard it felt, it's actually what you produced that in to a large extent drives adaptations so that's why i said that i tend to like stacking workouts but i also i leave room there because it's not uh, a black or white answer that i that i always prefer that some athletes simply don't do well when they do a second hard workout if they've already done a moderate or hard workout in the morning and then for me as a coach i'll always prioritize consistent performance and i will in that case spread things out more and uh, and have those harder or moderate workouts more evenly distributed across the week and not stack them so to summarize i think it's a super interesting concept and absolutely something that high level athletes can experiment with and probably benefit from in many cases especially if you're at a performance plateau then experimenting with any sort of novel training stimulus is a potential way to break out of that plateau and it might be 
that sort of train low protocol or it might be this kind of protocol where you're doing double threshold workouts it, it can be a lot of things but uh, but to break out of a performance plateau we we need to sort of switch up the stimulus in some way but it has to be done with care of course and for amateurs i do think that double hard workouts as a triathlete because of just a practical reality of fitting in all the work you want to be doing that's completely fine and it can be sort of an, an organic way of getting some of this stimulus but but i don't think that it's necessary because most of us are not yet at a point where we are doing like we are already maxing out on how hard or how much we can do in an individual workouts uh, i'm not saying that we're not working our arses off but i'm saying that we can still improve by by keeping progressing those hard individual workouts on on a single day so for example an elite runner might be doing 20 kilometer tempo runs and well some kenyans might be progressing that to a 35 kilometer tempo run uh, that's perhaps a bit uh, a, a bit astronomical for most of us to contemplate but uh, european uh, elite runners would easily be doing 20 kilometer tempo runs or more and at that point the risk of doing a 25 or 30 kilometer tempo run becomes so big that perhaps it's better to do a 20 kilometer tempo run in the morning and a 15 kilometer tempo run uh, in the afternoon but uh, most amateur athletes on the other hand will barely even do a 10 kilometer tempo run so we should maybe gradually focus on gradually increasing how long our tempo run is in that one single workout before we start thinking about doing double workouts and i think that we can get our progressive overload just as effectively that way and probably with less risk than by doing double hard workouts so thank you for your interesting question and that's it for today if you have questions that you want answered on a q a uh, keep sending them in to my email which is michael at scientific and that's michael with a k Remember to check out the new Ironman beginner training plan. You can find it on scientifictriathlon.com. Just click through to the plans page. And there is uh, currently, as we're in the launch period of the plan, a 60% discount available that will be going away at the end of May. So uh, get it now if you are planning on racing an Ironman, uh, whether it's this year or next year, who knows but you can always have it handy it's available forever for you so i would recommend getting it now if you think that you want to be using it at some point on monday i'm interviewing coach julie benson who is uh, incidentally a running coach so that'll be more of a running focused episode and a really interesting one tune in for that and finally big thanks to our sponsors precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com take their free online sweat test and get 15 percent off your electrolyte products with the promo code that triathlon show one five and thank you to roca you can find them on roca.com check out their wetsuits dry suits swimskins goggles high performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20 percent off your order with the promo co- code that you can find on roca.com forward slash tts thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlon <laughs>